You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 18. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today and tuning in. Wherever you are and wherever this finds you, thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. If it's your first time listening, thanks for coming over to the podcast, checking it out. I think you'll find it really helpful. Hopefully you will anyway. And if you're coming back, man, well, thanks for coming back again, continuing to put up with me. I appreciate that. I hope you're finding it really helpful, encouraging for you in your ministry. And if you are, man, I would ask you to head over to iTunes subscribe to the podcast so you make sure you get each episode weekly as it comes out. Write a review there, leave a review. Really, really helpful for me, encouraging for me. Tons of encouragement for me. As I see those reviews, I can't even tell you how encouraging that is. But it also helps the podcast be found by other youth pastors and youth workers. Really affects the ranking there of the podcast. And of course, we want to help encourage and equip as many folks as we can. So if you've got a minute, and you can head over and and do that, write and leave a review there, subscribe to the podcast. Really, really helpful um, for me. If you would do that, I would appreciate it very, very much. And so I want to thank a couple folks who've done that recently. Uh, Braskell left a review there. Mikey Osborne left a review. Uh, just some, some great folks, lots of folks on there finding it helpful. Uh, and that's great because it, it really kind of encourages me just to kind of Keep plugging along. And we got some good stuff coming in the next few weeks for you. Great interviews coming. It was really, really good stuff. So head over to iTunes, do that for me if you don't mind. I'd really appreciate that. You can also follow me on Twitter at, at Jody Livingston. That's J O D Y. And of course, over on the Facebook at The Longer Hall. All of the links and all the resources mentioned in today's episode you can find in the show notes thelongerhall.com slash episode 018. It's thelongerhall.com slash episode 018. Today, we are tackling a really, really important topic, super important issue, one that I think gets a lot of youth pastors and youth workers in trouble, and that's making changes. Specifically, how do you make change without getting fired? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think making changes gets more fired than we would like to admit, or at least it drives you away from your ministry. And one of the things, you know, what the whole reason that the longer hall is here is to help you kind of survive youth ministry, thrive in youth ministry, and really build a youth ministry that you love and one that you don't want to leave. And so this is a huge aspect of that. Change is inevitable. Uh, whether you're new, stepping into a ministry, for uh, the first time, or whether you have been there a while, um, you're going to come to a place where you have to make some changes. And sometimes it's small changes, you know, maybe it's changing the curriculum a little bit, painting the youth room or whatever. But sometimes it's really big stuff and uh, major changes can can be really detrimental if they're done wrong. And so depending on your context, you know, those changes could be perceived differently from from different folks, but really important to do that. And how you go about making those changes 
definitely has an effect on your ministry. And man, you know, just not even the change itself, but how you handle that often determines the success of that change and not just whether or not the change needed to be made. A lot of times what I find is that the changes that need to be made are often the ones that are that people are most resistant to. And and so you've got to really be careful on how you do that and knowing kind of these things. I'm going to give you kind of five five keys to making changes without getting fired today. And I think all of these are really doable regardless of your size of ministry, whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, volunteer, small church, big church, small budget, big budget, urban, rural. It doesn't really matter in that sense. These are all things that I think are really important for you as you're making changes. And like anything, you know, I just want to encourage you to really think through that and have a plan. And so I'm going to give you five things, five keys to making changes with it that, that will keep you from getting fired. And the first one is this, know the culture, know the culture. When you're first starting out in a position, especially, it's really impossible to know the culture. It takes some time to do that. So a lot of people will say, and I think there's wisdom in this, that you really shouldn't make any changes until you've been someplace a year. I think the reason that that is kind of the the rule of thumb is because it really takes you about a year to really understand the culture, understand what you have, where you are right now currently, so that you can really step in and make the correct changes and be able to navigate that well. That being said, I don't think that the magic is in the one year because I think you can wait that one year mark, make changes at a year in, and still get yourself in a whole lot of trouble because you don't really take the time to think through some things and you don't really take time to examine and know the culture. So before you can really make changes to anything, you've got to be aware of the culture. You know, choosing those battles that you're going to fight really, really wisely. You you can't you can't do that if you don't know if you don't know the battlefield that you're you're in, so to speak. Okay. So you, you've got to You've got to look and and think and know your culture, the culture of your church, the culture of your people, the culture of your student ministry, which if you're new in a ministry is largely not determined by you. That's that's kind of been laid, the groundwork for that at least has been laid by those who came ahead of you. So I talk a lot about this and I encourage youth pastors to not focus so much on building a ministry, but building a culture because the culture will outlast the ministry. And it really starts from day one. And even how you're making changes, you know, you can't build a culture unless you understand the culture that you have or that you inherit. And so knowing that culture is really, really, really difficult. Now, the longer that you're in ministry, the longer that you're in a position and in a ministry, the longer you invest your life there and, and kind of had some have some longevity in a position the easier it gets to get a handle on the culture, okay? It, but it doesn't mean you can't do it early on. It just, it just means that it, at times it can, be, it can be more difficult. It certainly brings more challenges uh, along the way. So you've got to know the culture, 
Okay, the culture of the church, the culture of your ministry, the culture of your teens, the culture of your community, the culture of your parents. The, I mean, just every aspect, you've got to have a pretty good handle on that. So even if you're new right now and you're listening to this and you haven't been in a position too terribly long, I would just encourage you to really do some homework, kind of become a little uh, an investigator, if you will, as you look around and examine, really take note, begin to study your ministry, study your the culture that you're in so that you can begin to make the changes. How you make the change will largely be affected by the culture that you're in. If you're in a culture where the youth pastor has, or the staff, it's very staff-led, and that is that is normal, well, you're probably going to be able to make some changes, and, and, and it will be expected of you to do so. However, that doesn't mean you can just go all willy-nilly and start changing everything either. If you're in more of a committee-driven thing where there's been a youth committee in place or you've got a team of youth workers or there's a parent team, maybe you've got to work through some of those. But knowing the culture will really help you not only know how to make the changes, but it will really help you understand what changes need to be made, which leads me to number two, and that is know the why. So you got to know the culture. Second, know the why. You need to know why you need to make the changes and not just change it because, well, I think this would be better or I like doing this better. Maybe that's okay in some situations, but for the most part, that's not going to really fly. You really need to know why you need to make the changes. Never, ever, ever, ever change something just because you want to. That will get you in a whole lot of trouble really, really fast because people are going to ask you, why are we doing this? Somebody will ask you, why did we change the way we did this? Why are we changing this? And you need to be able to back that up and not just say, eh, you know, because I said so. If you're a parent, you've tried that with your kids. It doesn't go very far. Why? Well, because I said so. It sounds great to us, but it doesn't really help resolve anything. And in ministry, all that will do is deepen uh, or begin to foster a sense of bitterness towards you rather than a a sense of teamwork. And so you've got to know the why and be able to to say that and articulate that very, very well. It doesn't work as a parent. It won't work with your students. It won't work with the parents in your ministry. It won't work with the leaders in your ministry. If you can't answer why you need to change something or even why the change that you're making is better, then you don't need to make that change. And it kind of all goes back and rests again on vision and direction, which we've talked about and we've written, I've written about on the blog a ton. Um, Nate Turner came on and talked about that on the podcast. And, you know, I think you've got to know the direction you're heading. You've got to have a goal in mind. You've got to have a vision you're leading people to and you're, and you're calling people to. Along the way, then, you begin to make changes to align folks to that, direct folks, lead folks, posture the heart of students to that end. Now you can articulate and be able to, to explain why those things are happening. So you've got to know the culture, number one. You have to know the why, number two. Number three, here's the part no one ever likes. You have to have a plan. You've got to take time to sit down and plan it out. You can't just make it up or, or make the change quickly or, or suddenly. And so, you, you can't, again, you can't just change things just for the sake of changing things. 
there, there are times where you may sit back and go, gosh, we're just in a rut. We just need to change something up. That may be okay. That may be okay. But even in that, you've got to understand the culture you're in. You've got to know why you're changing it, you know, which is maybe just to kind of get us out of a rut. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's justifiable in your situation. I don't know. But you still need to have a plan. So you need to know what changes you need to make. And then you just think through how exactly you're going to change them. Specifically, man, really think through the questions that you're going to get, the objections that you're going to get to the change. Think through every aspect of the changes before you make them. If you've thought through, if you've really taken the time to think through the questions that you're going to get from parents, the questions you're going to get from students, the questions you're going to get from your church leadership, and the objections to the change, you can kind of think through that ahead of time. If you've done that and you have a response ready for that because you understand the culture that you're in, because you know the why it needs to be changed, when they come to you with those things, you cannot just diffuse those questions, but you can. You really have an opportunity to win folks to your team, to win folks to your side and help champion that. So plan, 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 plan. Have, I mean, have a plan for everything that you can think of. If you don't have a plan for it, it will not be, that change will not be made successfully. And you can't make a plan if you don't know why you're changing it. And you can't make an effective plan if you don't understand the culture you're in. So you need to know the culture, know why you're making the change, know the why, and have a plan. Number three. Number four. Communicate the why, because we've already covered that in step two, right? Number two, communicate the why early on in this process, early on, and very, very often. So communicate the why early and often. Once you have a good handle on the culture of your ministry and a good handle of the church, culture of the church, and you know why the changes need to be made, and you begin to put a plan in place for how to make those changes, then you need to start communicating that to others. And maybe that starts with a parent leadership team if you've got one, or a youth committee that certainly needs to, to begin, uh, that, those conversations need to begin to happen with your team, your youth leader team, or the youth leaders you have, parents. You know, Start with your pastor before any of that even, really or your church leadership, because you want to make sure that they have your back. You, If you don't have the support of your pastor or your church leadership, is is never is never going to be good for you. Um, you don't want them to find out about a change you've made from someone else. So communicate up. Don't count on the fact that your, your pastor or your church leadership is going to know what's going on in your ministry. Um, And I would, regardless, let's step outside of even the conversation of change for a minute. You should consistently be communicating up to your pastor. You should be communicating not just problems and issues, but wins in your ministry. I would say communicate a ton of wins to your pastor. You, you are the one who defines the success of your ministry. I've written about this before on on the longer haul, why, why your numbers matter or don't matter and who really defines the success of your ministry. And at the end of the day, it, it comes back to you. If, if every time somebody asks about your ministry, how things are going or how an event was, if you say, it was great, we had blank many kids, 
We had this many kids. We had that many kids. Or we had this many kids saved. We had that. Then the re- that's why everybody always asks about how many kids. How many kids have you baptized? How many kids have you been saved? How many kids came? Um, because you're, you're training them that that is the, the correct way to do that. So as you're communicating up these successes to your pastor as well, don't just communicate numbers. Communicate, you know, the, there's more going on in your ministry than just people showing up, hopefully. So communicate those those things. But when you start talking about change, especially, start with your pastor or church leadership so that they have your support, they hear it from you, they understand the why, they may be able to help you out with the plan, they may have a better idea of the culture, and then you, from there you can begin talking about it to your parent leadership team or your youth leaders, your other team youth leader team there, and then from there to parents and, and students. But you've got to you've got to you know start with the folks that are going to need to have your back, which would be your pastor or your church leadership, then your team, the folks that are around you, and then parents and students. Communicate that really, really early on again and often. Be really honest, but be tactful in that. Again, think through, be very intentional, have the plan. Um, you know, and and be careful of how you phrase that. You know, you don't want to say, hey, I know I'm new here, but I've decided we're going to change the summer camp we've been going to since Jesus walked the earth because, well, that camp stinks, and, uh, and this one's way better. Um, yeah, people are going to not respond to that well because some folks may really, really like that camp. Others may be ready for the change, but you're just kind of walking into man, a, a mess phrasing it that way. So we talk about the why. It may it may stink, okay? The camp may stink, but... You you always want to lead people to something and not away necessarily away from something else. You know we so whatever the change is, you need to sell what the change the the positive outcome of the change, the vision of the change, rather than the negatives that are being avoided in that. So any change you make, there's going to be some criticism. Yes, always going to be a little bit of fallout. But if those changes are really make are really worth making. Then you know, be be prepared and to be patient with that down the road because it changes. Even change that is good change and done well sometimes takes a while to really really take root. Okay, so um, that was that was number four. Number one, know your culture. Number two, know the why. Number three, have a plan. Number four, communicate the why early. Communicate it often. And then number five is. Make incremental change. So here's what I mean when I say make incremental change. Walk people to the end result. Okay, don't just, this is not a, it's not always the best to rip off the Band-Aid when it comes to making changes. There, there may be times for that, but I think there are few and far between. You want to walk people to where you, meet them where they are, meet them where they are, walk them to where you want them to be. If you're able, and man, almost every single time in every change that you can make, you're able to do that, to do this, take baby, baby steps. So, uh, for example, here in the church that I currently serve in, um, we changed the summer camp. You know, they had been, they, man, they've been going to this camp forever. And, and so I knew we wanted to make that change. I knew, I knew why I wanted to make that change. I knew where we wanted to make that change to. 
So what we did was the camp had already been scheduled for that following summer when I came. I started in January. The camp was, you know, in June, I think. So it already been booked when I, when I came on staff. And so we went, we went in June, um, went to that camp. So my, here's the process. We basically, we, it was basically a five kind of step process that we walked them through. So first of all, I took our adult leaders on a retreat in the spring, that spring to the camp that we wanted to, to move to, um, that let them see the camp. This was a, the, the benefit I had in this process is the camp that we were moving to was a year round facility. So we went up during the off season and kind of did a weekend retreat with them. They got to see the, meet the leadership, see the camp and, and really understand the vision and, and kind of, I was able to really cast that to them. Then, uh, the students went to the camp they'd always gone to in the summer. So we didn't, we didn't change that for them. They, they continued to do that. Okay. After that, in the fall, we did a fall retreat there at the new camp. So the leaders in that point had seen it, been there, done it. They, they understood what we were doing. They, they, they bought in. And so they helped me promote the fall retreat in the fall because they'd already been there. Then we got students there in the fall and then we told them at the retreat, hey, this is where we're going to be coming for camp. And they had a great time at the fall retreat. The leaders were excited. Students were excited. And so the following year then, we, we went to the new camp and we took more kids the following year to the new camp than, they, than the church had taken in the, probably the previous four years to the camp they had done forever and ever and ever. And, and we continue to take more and more each year. And so... But it was a it was a process, right? So the the things that made that helpful were, you know, we took the team first, so they were able to kind of see it. Of course, I had talked to my pastor about this before even that happened. Um, they understood the change because they could see it. Then we were able to promote the fall retreat to students, and then finally we were able, after they'd seen the camp, a small picture of what camp would be like, then when we finally promoted the new camp, they went. Now, I understand, listen, that this may be somewhat limited, you know, specifically with camps, right? That aren't a year-round facility, and that's okay. But there's always ways to go about it. My my point is not you should change your camp, and this is how you should do it. My point is, regardless of the change, there's always some baby steps that need to be made. And you know, for me, I'm always trying to think through that. Okay, here's where we want to be. How do we get them there? How do we walk them there? And that that generally has served me very, very well with very little conflict. There have been times where I get complacent or I, I just get lazy and I don't make the plans that I need to. I don't take the time to think through all those things. We make a change pretty quickly or I, or maybe I just don't communicate it as well as I thought that I did. And every time that happens, I end up, you know, we just have some, some tense moments there's some friction there and maybe it's with the with the leaders maybe it's with the parents it doesn't happen often but man when it happens and it's almost always because i made the change too quickly um, i didn't take into account our church culture i didn't really explain the why or i didn't think through the why and i didn't really sell the vision and or i didn't make it the change slow enough i just i just made it too quickly and in the end that that came back and and got me. And I just, if I had just slowed down a little and thought through that process, 
I maybe would have been able to make those changes um, a little, little more quickly. I think the thing to remember in all of this is just to be intentional with the changes that you're making. So whatever they are, whatever you're doing, just be really, really intentional and mindful uh, of what you're doing and, and what you're thinking. Take everything into account that you can really take into account. Really plan, have a plan, and then have a backup plan, right? And and just walk folks through it. And I think if you can do that, if you can kind of follow these five things, I think you can probably change just about anything you want and 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 do it with, with really little or no fuss, let alone not getting fired. So because I think what happens is so many times we we, we want to make a change, so we kind of make the changes, and we don't really think through it. We, we, we do it kind of impatiently, and then the, the church or the student ministry doesn't respond like we wanted to in the change, and then all of a sudden, it's the church's fault. Well, they're not going to follow my leadership, or they're not really following like I thought they would, or they said they wanted somebody to be led to lead them, and they wanted to go in this direction, but here you know, I'm trying to make the changes to make that happen, and they're not they're not following, so it's kind of it's their fault. And when in reality, it's probably our fault. Um, you know, it's probably your fault because you didn't really think through those the ramifications of the changes. One other thing that I think is really important here that I want to really warn you about and encourage you with when it comes to making changes is that oftentimes a lot of really small changes that happen really really quickly feel to those in the ministry as one big, massive change. So, you know, um, here's the example that, that I would give to you. If I am working on something and I cut my hand pretty badly and and it's painful, man, it's really painful. Um, and maybe I've got to get some stitches or I got to get whatever I'm, you know, I'm bleeding out or whatever. And, you know, I've cut my hand pretty good. That's painful. And that's not good. I'm not, my body is not going to respond well. I'm not going to respond well to, to that because it, you know, I just cut my hand real bad. However, maybe in some cases, what is most painful or more painful even would be like a million tiny little paper cuts on my hand, right? Or, oh gosh, I hate paper cuts. I feel like, let me just side note here. I feel like one of the worst ways in the whole world to die would be like to be paper cutted to death. Like I'm, I'm going to paper cut your head off. That would be awful. That would be excruciatingly painful. The The pain of a paper cut, a small little paper cut is so painful, right? So a lot of little paper cuts in some, in some ways are almost more painful than just one big cut. And, and change can be a lot like that. A lot of little changes that come kind of over a short period of time sometimes feel like or feel worse even than maybe one big change that you've made in your ministry to those who you're serving and that the change affects most. So be mindful of that. And, and I would say if you're making changes, make a few and then allow, allow the ministry to rest a little if you can, from, from change, settle in, kind of relax, let everybody kind of cool off again, let everybody settle back down and then come back and make some changes again, if you need to. 
But don't come in and just go bang, 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 and make change after change after change after change after change because you will burn people out, you'll freak people out, and you'll really, you'll really do more damage than good. People will not respond well to that at all. So be mindful of not just the size of the changes. Because I think sometimes you go, well, gosh, I don't understand. It was just a tiny little change. And it may have been a tiny little change, but that along with 10 other little changes that you've made over the last, you know, three months, and that, that, that adds up really quickly to those folks. So as you're looking at the changes that you're making, as you're examining and thinking through the things that you're going to do and the changes that you're going to make, not, you know, take into account these five things here, you know, know the culture, right? Know the culture, know the why of what you're doing, of why the change is being made. Certainly, um, you know, you've you got to take it, have a plan, a really good plan, communicate, 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 make the changes slowly, uh, lead people, meet them where they are, lead people to where you want them to be. However, also take into account are, how many changes have there been in this season? And, and what this accounts for, listen, is patience. It's patience, right? And if you're not, if you're not going to be around for a while, that's really tough. So w- when we talk about longevity in a place or in a ministry, th- this is where you can save yourself a lot of heartache um, and a whole lot of frustration just by being patient, by really thinking through that, begin to build something that you're going to love, something that you're not going to want to leave, not walk away from. And that happens largely in the process of making changes, changing it to what you want it to be, to the vision that God's given you for that ministry. And how you go about doing that is really, 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 really helpful and, and, and important, right? So it's not just the change itself that will make or break you. It's it's the process. It's how you make the changes that really um, that really affect things. And again, I think the culture that you are in and the culture that you're ministering to is really really important. How do we bring the vision that God's given us and infuse that? into the culture there and, and having the plan and being persistent and being patient and, and loving and all those. And I think if you can do those, if you can do those five things and be mindful of the pace of changes that you're making, I think you can change just about anything you want in your ministry, regardless of the size or season of the ministry that you're in. So I encourage you to do that, um, for sure. And look at that. I want to give you, uh, a resource really quickly before we leave here and finish up today. And I also want to encourage you to head over to the show notes page, thelongerhall.com slash episode 018. Leave a comment there. What's your experience with change? Have you handled that well a lot? Has this been a point of friction for you? What makes it difficult? What kind of changes have you tried to make that have failed? Or you know, what kind of things um, do you find it difficult to bring changes? Or maybe there's a change you need to make and you just need some help or some advice. Um, you know, Go over there leave a comment, share that. That would be great. Okay, here's the resource today. This is a, not a new resource. I'll say that. This was this book was on the reading list that I put out this year for 2015. And uh, it's a book. I've given away so many copies of this book in the last few months. It was given to me, uh, referred to me um, by a good friend. 
The name of the book is called Bruchko, B-R-U-C-H-K-O. It's written by Bruce Olson. He uh, was a missionary to South America. And here's, it may seem like an odd resource for this episode, but here's why I'm, here's why I'm bringing this resource to this. Because, first of all, let me just say about this about the book. It's one of the best biographies uh, that I've read of modern biographies, uh, particularly dealing with missionaries and missions that I've ever read. It will fire you up and make you want to move to the middle of nowhere to share Jesus. There's no doubt about that. But what you find and see throughout the book is that here, here is Bruce Olson having to reach a, a people group that no one has reached before and made it out alive. And he's trying to reach them with the gospel. And so there's a lot of change that has to happen in that, both in him and in in those people. And he has to figure out how to do that in within the confines and the understanding of their culture and their language. And man, that's that's super important. And as I read this book, and I've read it a few times in the last couple months, to be honest. Um, as I read this book, while he's dealing with, you know, this native tribes, these native tribes in South America, I couldn't help but think about how we do the same with teens and students, that we're trying to infuse the gospel into a culture of students, a culture uh, of, of teens, and how, how we do that. How do we bring about those things? And so we talk about this idea of changing things. How do we do that? Understanding, knowing the culture that we're in, having a plan, being patient, incrementally walking folks through there, knowing why this is important, being able to sell that and explain it. All these things kind of play out themselves in this book. And so if you've never read Bruchko, man, I would highly recommend you do that. I will put a link to it in the show notes for sure. I read this book in about a day and a half. I could not stop reading it. And like I said, I've read it uh, a few times even since then. I, I went back and reread it after I read it the first time just because now I kind of knew what was coming and I wanted to go back and really even dive in a little bit deeper and see that even more there. And so super good. I was just, man, it was so, so good. Uh, so there you go. Five things, five steps to making change without getting fired and kind of a bonus thing there just with the pace along that. Great book, resource for you. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast so you get it every week. And uh, yeah, write and leave a review there. I'd appreciate that much. Check out The Longer Haul for a whole bunch of other resources there. Right now, uh, at the time of this, you can head to Longer Haul and you can grab the five resources, the five tools that I'm using right now to manage our, manage our ministry. Um, if that's kind of, if you're looking for something to help manage things, if you're struggling with some time issues or just communication, some great tools on there for you. That's about to change, just so you know. Um, here in the next week or so, that's going to roll over and, and change. I'm going to put something new up. I'm going to, that, that resource will still be available. It'll just move to the resources page rather, um, than the homepage there. So head over there, grab that and, uh, keep track of all that. Lots of good stuff on there for you. Some great interviews coming up in the next few weeks. You're going to really uh, want to stick around and make sure you check back in for those. And again, all the show notes today at thelongerhaul.com slash episode 018. Thelongerhaul.com slash episode 018. You can find all the links, all the resources mentioned here today. And that'll do it for this episode. That'll wrap it up. 
We'll see you again next week. And until then, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.